Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time for another episode of Leader Generation by Tenlo Radio, a show where we help B2B and CPG marketers generate data that turns into money. Yeah, we stopped it right there. Money, that's the key word. With our host, Tessa Berg, who's the Vice President of UX and Technology Strategy here at Tenlo. Let's bring her in. Tessa, welcome to the show. Hello, Paul. When you say money, that stops everything. That stops the music. That stops everything. When you say it's going to generate money, it can't generate money. Come on, we don't do this really to make money, do we? Oh, we sure do. And today's conversation hits both the B2B and CPG sides. And it's a tactic that is probably, I don't want to say most critical, but one of the top five most critical things you can do to increase engagement and conversion, both online and offline. So my guest today has spent her career in an industry that almost requires personalization, and that is Faye Harris. Thanks for being our guest today, Faye. Thanks for having me, Tessa. Pleasure to be here. So I wanted to jump right into personalization. We know it's critically important in the beauty industry. I mean, you can't get much more personal than makeup brands and beauty brands and what people are putting on their skin and their own self-image. So tell us a little bit about your career and what personalization has done and how you've incorporated into the brands that you've worked with. Sure, sure. You know, I started many, many moons ago with my education. I went to B-School for Information Age Marketing at Bentley University, which is now Bentley College. And I was really fortunate coming out of there to start into the personal care industry. My first gig was a lot less, shall we say, sexy. I was on Duracell batteries (laughs) (laughs) with Gillette. With Gillette, they're big in Boston, which is uh, where I was raised. Um, But from there, I really dipped my toe into the beauty industry with L'Oreal USA and was involved in their personal products division, which basically sells salon hair care, two salons. And then uh, most people are more familiar with their consumer division that has consumer brands, but they have a very robust salon-based business where it's really B2B and we're selling directly into salons through distributors. And I spent some time there before coming here to the great state of Ohio, first with Cal Brands on their John Frieda business. And then ultimately landing at Aquash, which was previously owned by a company called Salon Quest and acquired by the Conair Group or Conair Company that's located in Stanford, Connecticut. So now Aquash and Biomega are part of the Conair family. Um, actually, they were recently spun off. So any, at any rate, um, it's been quite the journey in beauty and particularly hair care, which I really have a passion for. Most recently, I've launched my own hair care endeavors with Out of Sight Hair. We launched with one flagship product, which is a multi-use product called the 3-in-1 Scalp Serum. That's really targeted towards a specific group of customers that engage in protective styling, like myself, braids, twists, natural hair, and it really does a lot with just one drop. So that's where I am today leading my own ship and in the beauty industry, which I love. That's awesome. So you've had the opportunity to work on beauty brands on both the commercial side and the consumer side. 
how has digital changed customer expectations of brands? It's been a doozy, I believe. It has really changed the game. As I mentioned, you know, coming into the beauty industry early parts of this century, the 2000s, exclusive distribution really was different. There used to be a time where um, salon brands were really only available at the salon. I believe in beauty industry digitalization and the whole advent of internet and digital marketing has really opened up distribution channels and has changed consumer expectations where we don't expect to go to the store for many things, including shampoo and conditioner nowadays. I think most consumers are used to picking up their phone, going on Amazon, let's say, and expecting things Mm -hmm. at their doorstep in the next two days, whether or not the product is considered professional or consumer. I think that um, digitalization has blurred that line, so to speak. Professionalism now, I believe, is really driven by the person who's applying it and and the person who offers the service. Um, whereas before, it was heavily dependent on availability, channel availability. That is such an interesting point. I mean, that uh, speaks to, you know, we're people, whether we're at work or at home, and, you know, a couple of facts, super facts that we pulled off Google you know, one being that 80% of consumers say they're more likely to buy from a business that gives them a personalized experience. And then on the B2B side, it's extremely similar. 67% want that self-driven experience before ever talking to someone. So we have these expectations of, I'm going to be able to find what I want and what I need you know, without you know, that interaction just yet. So tell me a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. In your experience, like what has worked and what hasn't worked as you've tried to do different personalization or bring brands to life online? I think what really works well in this is, you know, traditional marketing is is the segmentation. At the end of the day, personalization is just really drilling down to the core level of that consumer need and how people want it to be delivered. So for example, Dry hair used to be a big category and people will go pick up a shampoo for dry hair. Now there's dry shampoos for curly hair and wavy hair and coily hair. Going back to my offering out of sight hair, it goes down to the scalp level. I feel like personalization and digitalization together and allow you to really get to a granular level of what people are looking for. And that's what makes it resonate. So it's one thing to get an email that says, rather than, hi, customer, it says, hi, Faye. It's a whole nother thing to say, you know, hi, Faye, we remember it's your birthday and we know that you have curly hair and you usually wear braids two times a year. So here goes something that we think is going to work for you. When you can get to that level of detail and personalization to a person, it really makes the selling super easy. It's actually not so much of a sale you're letting people know that you understand their needs and anticipate what they're going to need before they even do oftentimes. And I think that's why we see a rise in subscription-based services where a lot of times, particularly consumers, want to put that type of decision-making on autopilot. Like, hey, send me something every month that you think I'm going to (laughs) like. And that's valuable. 
So you said a couple of things that I think are really strong personalization tactics. One, knowing how often someone uses the product, knowing their name, knowing their birth date. I mean, we've seen an A-B test, just having that simple information in an email versus not having it has a big impact. Are there other tactics that you can use online to drive people in store? Like if the product is either as preferable to buy at a retailer or just to capture that traffic that wants to have that in-store experience? I do. I think that, you know, in-store events, driving people into store and particularly, you know, during this time, uh, I'm speaking totally pre-COVID, driving traffic into the store is always key because when you get there, a lot of people love to shop and pick up other things. And in-store events and theater kind of around that purchase moment is really what brings people in. And I'll give you a great example of that. Alta was one of our retailers that we went into and they do a great job with their consumer data and building their beauty club, their loyalty club. And they had events. They have once a year, it's kind of like a month of beauty where they feature brands and categories basically once a day. People go into the store in droves because they know that they're going to get deals. They know that they're going to get samples and they've built up the anticipation for that event. I think another example of a retailer who did a great job of that, more so in the past than present, was Victoria's Secret with their semi-annual sale. I think Mm -hmm. that type of personalization and communication, particularly go together. So just kind of bring it all in. The communication that you have with your customer based on the details that you know about them, included in what I'm saying is the frequency of it. Teaming out via email every week or every month or what have you, but it's the communication that you have that builds the anticipation for events that can really drive people in store so that they know that it's coming, they plan it, and they make it more of a destination type event. Yeah. So that's a great observation that really the tactics, whether you're driving someone to purchase online, aren't that different than if you're driving them to purchase offline in the retailer. For Mm -hmm. brands that are just getting into, whether commercial or B2C brands, just getting into the digital part, have you seen anyone do it really well or what best practices are, do you think are most effective? Yes, I think, and and I kind of mentioned this earlier before with subscription-based services, which tend to be more so on the rise. And what's happening is that people are bringing that in-store experience in the home to make it easy for consumers. And one brand that I've been watching that I learned about via Instagram is a beauty brand called Il Maquillage, and they offer foundations, which is notoriously difficult. Like a foundation is just a notorious beauty product for just having to have a personal experience. You have to put it on. You have to see how it matches. It's mm-hmm. really hard to get a shade that's perfect straight out the gate. And I'm really impressed because I've purchased their product and they have managed to do that via digital personalization. Go on to their website. They have amazing quiz 
with lots of visual examples that give you an opportunity to kind of drill down to your color. And what I noticed about it is they don't really even talk a lot about what the color is. It used to be, you know, colors had different names. I'd be beef chestnut or maybe on a different brand, I'd be golden toasted nugget or whatever the case may be. They don't focus so much on the names of the shades because they make it so personal. Mm -hmm. I, I believe their shades just have a number. In fact, it was funny because I went to look at that and I really like couldn't even find it. But when it came and arrived to my door, it was beautifully packaged and it was a perfect shade. And I thought that was just an amazing experience from getting onto their website, going through a quiz to receiving it at my door and it being everything that I hoped and wished it would be. I felt like, wow, they really got it. They really got me. So of course, yeah. when he sent me an email about their perfect concealer, I was right there. And, you know, they managed to just upsell me on the basis of that experience. And I think that's a really best case example and what we would all hope to do as marketers. Yeah, that is a great example. All right, I'm getting a signal from Paul. Next. We're getting ready to do your uh, little uh, commercial here. Do a break. Let everybody digest this and, and think about it here. You ready to ready to break? Yes, we're ready. All right, let's take a break and we'll be right back. The global pandemic has certainly changed marketing and sales as we know it. And it's probably not going to come back real soon. So in the meantime, what do you do? How do you plan and prepare for what's next? Well, we've got a simple one-hour remote digital readiness session. That's it, digital readiness with Tenlo. We'll talk about opportunities to align your digital marketing tactics to your business's goals, and we'll get you in tune with what's happening today. Plus, you'll receive a digital readiness playbook with immediate next steps to execute measurable digital marketing tactics to drive growth and to adapt and pivot to these strange times. For more info and to sign up, you can simply visit tenlo.com, just like it sounds, T-E-N-L-O, tenlo.com, and get your digital readiness playbook in place. Okay, and with that flourish, we get back to our guest, Faye Harris, who it says in her profile here has is a marketing maven, a beauty brander, and the lady who launches. What's the lady who launches? Did we talk about that? We haven't yet, and it is the next part of this conversation. Hey, I love that example that you gave. It's funny, you can say, oh, quizzes help you personalize, but what Il Maquillage is a brand did so well is they structured the quiz around the pain point that made buying their product online. I was wondering, through your experiences and through following different brands who are doing personalization so well, how have you applied that to out of sight in your own hair beauty brand now? That's a great question. And definitely something that I stay up at night thinking about because I certainly don't have the resources to create a wonderful algorithm <laughs> to give my customers all that they want and need uh, through a quick survey. I imagine things like that definitely take an investment and they're worth it. But as a one woman show, What I've done is use a lot of the resources that are out there available for free or for a very small amount, mainly surveys, reaching out to my customers to find out their usage patterns. So for example, like I mentioned, 
we launched with one product, three-in-one scalp serum, and it soothes, moisturizes, and purifies. So it provides three distinct benefits. You know, first and foremost, I wanted to know out of those three, why someone was compelled to buy? Was there really one, like, for example, soothing that propelled them to buy the product and they were really happy and thrilled that it moisturized and purified as well? Or were they really looking to moisturize? And the fact that it felt great and soothed their scalp was just an added benefit. So really understanding out of those three pain points, which one compelled the most purchase really helped me adjust my marketing messages via Instagram and other mediums like that. The next thing I did was around the usage occasion. Beauty rituals tend to center either in the morning or at night. And when you use the product, to me, represented an opportunity of a product development opportunity. So Paul, when I talk about a lady who launches, uh, my background really has been in product development and really trying to anticipate consumer needs to create products that support that. So if what I found in surveying my customer base is that the majority of my clients use the product at night. So that led to an excellent opportunity to build around that nighttime ritual with accessories like pillowcases or sleeping bonnets. And, you know, as we get down the line, body washes and lotions help support that nighttime ritual versus focusing my attention on using it in the daytime, which would just drive a different type of product. That's when it, why it's really important to understand how when customers are using products because there's so many different ways we can go. The key to any business is prioritizing and being efficient and allocating their resources, particularly when you're a small business. So I've really let their feedback drive my path forward in terms of product development and my marketing messages. That's awesome. So there was definitely a lot to unpack in there. (laughs) And uh, mm-hmm. in our last conversation, and then right before this show, we were talking about you know, what are the three takeaways? And right from the start of the conversation, I started writing down some. So I have three takeaways for the audience when doing personalization. And Faye, I would love you to add, because we can go over three. Maybe there's five or six. But the ones that I've pulled out so far, one, know the challenge. So we've established that on the B2B side and on the CPG side, people expect to be able to buy and they expect to have a personalized experience. And what you've shared with us is if you understand the challenge that's blocking them from purchasing online, you can create an awesome personalized experience. So you have to know the challenge first. The second one is use the data you're collecting, like from your customer surveys or from what they're gathering from the quiz to serve the customer. So use the data to serve. Like it's not enough to have something generic. It's about, like you said, with the in-store events, if it's something they want to go to, you can use online to deliver that information in a personalized way. Mm -hmm. And the third thing that you just said that I really loved is understand how customers use your product. I think this is something a lot of people take for granted. So those were three that I pulled out. Do you have anything else to add or any? information you want to kind of add more context to any of those points? Absolutely. And, you know, I'll start with the um, 
the last one because it's most recent in my mind, um, but talking about how people use your product, like you said, that I, I know that as marketers, we absolutely do take that for granted a lot of times because it's a chicken and egg situation as a marketer and as a product developer, you develop a product with a specific usage in mind. So it's almost like you're starting with a bias. Again, I'll use my product as an example because I tend to use it in the morning and afternoon. It's highly sensorial. It makes your scalp buzz. It feels very refreshing. I tend to think that that's more of a daytime experience. So I was really surprised to find out that most people said, no, I put it on before I go to bed. I'm like, really? Because it would keep me up all night. So I designed it with a daytime usage in mind. And I think a lot of times when companies launch products, they absolutely built into the thought process how they expect people to use it. But in listing and in order to list when you have to put out that communication and ask the question, they can really get some feedback that is surprising and can really help kind of guide that strategy. And I think that that's the main message. It's almost like at this time, and particularly, as I said, in the beauty industry, which I feel was slow to get on the digital train, because if you think about it, particularly in this COVID environment, we saw Things that we considered non-essential are absolutely essential and included in that are beauty stylists. But those are people that you have to sit with. They have to touch you to do your hair, to give your root touch-ups or to give you a haircut. And because of the high level of touch and personalization inherent in the service in the industry, I think a lot of stylists are just so used to managing it in a personal way. Like, for example even booking services. It's more prevalent now, but the services online booking were available seven to 10 years ago. But a number of stylists preferred to just use an appointment book and write it down in pencil and you know write down Tessa's name and maybe scratch it off if you didn't come, which was easy for them because it was habit. But there's so much opportunity in moving online, even though there's a learning curve and adjustment Long-term, it definitely makes it easier now for Tessa to go online, pick her open availability through something like Style C. The stylist gets an email and then it automatically follows up with you and lets you know that your appointment's coming together and they didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to stop their service to write that down or to answer the phone. So I think a lot of stylists have really jumped on board with it. But just like everything, change is always an event <laughs> and it's a learning curve and hashtag new normal <laughs> that we're all dealing with now. But over time you, you get used to it and you can really understand. And I think businesses that have been uh, slower to adapt to digital and even or personalization because they believe that they really don't need it. Their business has been fine without it. I would just encourage everyone to really think about that. In almost every single aspect, there's a digital tool that can help you do it faster or better. And in the long run, it makes it easier for you and oftentimes helps save on expenses. 
Yeah. I think that was a great example. And, you know, it is funny. It's about improving the experience on both sides, the person who's providing the service and for the person Mm -hmm. who's using the service. Uh, I think Paul gave us the wrap it up sign. So with that, Faye, thank you so much for being a guest. I told you it would go fast. It it flies by. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we got a lot of great uh, information out of this call. And yes, Change and, is an event, but how do we reach her? Your brand is worth it. We don't. Oh, ahead, we definitely want to personalize her brand, and we always want to leave with how can people reach her for more information. Oh yes, hey, how can people reach you for more information? People could certainly reach out via my website www.addisitehair.com. They can follow us on Instagram. You could find me on LinkedIn as B. Faye Harris, as Paul mentioned. I'm a marketing maven a lady who launches and I would love to hear from your audience with any thoughts or suggestions about how they use personalization. And let's spell that out. So we, everybody's clear because Faye can be spelled lots of different ways. That's true. So it's B, the letter B, Faye, F-A-E, last name Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S. And to clarify, at a site hair, is O-U-T-T-A-S-I-G-H-T-H-A-I-R. Okay. <laughs> and how do they reach you, Tessa, if they want more information on uh, Tenlo? Uh, they can find us at Tenlo.com. We will also, we already have a show page up. So you can Good. find okay. Faye's contact information at Tenlo.com on the podcast page. And we'll have a recording and transcript there in about a week. So if you want to go back and reference any of these great points on how to add personalization, that's where it'll be. All right. Well, we won't keep any longer. Your kids are screaming for lunch here, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Paul. You've been listening to another great episode of Leader Generation by Tenlo Radio show designed to help B2B and CPG marketers generate data that turns into money here in the Funnel Radio channel for at work listeners like you.